Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. If the 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time coming, make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself, all shipped directly to your door. They offer everything needed to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Their Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package features Omaha Steaks Butcher's Cut Filet Mignons, perfectly aged, hand-carved, and fork tender. Also included are tons of incredible meats, sides, and infamous Omaha Steaks desserts. Right now, you can get this mouth-watering package, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer, a gift that's on the list of any serious griller, at an exclusive price only available to my listeners. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code VOICES into the search bar. Get a jump on holiday gift shopping with Omaha Steaks, all backed by their 100% money-back guarantee. Visit omahasteaks.com and type VOICES in the search bar to shop gourmet grill packs today. This is a great opportunity to get ahead of holiday gift shopping and have a really great season. That's omahasteaks.com and type voices in the search bar. You guys can say what you want, but Donald Trump Jr. is doing more than anybody to keep cocaine out of the hands of young people. Let's begin. Welcome to the Saturday Cast. I'm John Fugelsang. So nice to be back with you here on the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. This is the helpful little podcast about how to maintain your composure and sanity when the Christians have pledged blind obedience to comb over Caligula. And uh, there's a lot to get to. Today's a special one. We're going to be continuing our series, The Great Unclenching, a number of interviews I did right at the change of New Year with some special friends about this time when we all have to begin relaxing and realizing that this guy's not president anymore. Uh, I sat down with some wonderful people to get their thoughts on the great unclenching. Last time we played Jane Lynch. Today, it's a lovely conversation with uh, my sweet, demure friend, Kathy Griffin. In the meantime, I hope you're keeping safe. I hope you're getting shots. I hope you're still social distancing and washing your hands. As of the time of this recording, COVID-19 cases are rising again for the second week in a row and significantly enough to be very concerning to U.S. officials. Uh, States are responding by opening anyway and doing nothing to make it safer and doing nothing to keep us from what's likely going to be the fourth wave. Uh, In this shocking new report, Mexico just revealed their COVID-19 death toll is actually nearly 60 percent higher than was previously officially reported. Ron DeSantis would be proud of this. On Saturday, uh, the government of Mexico reported just over 200,000 deaths. The actual number, it's closer to 321,000. India 
just recorded their sixth straight day of record high case numbers since the peak of this pandemic last year. We are so far from being out of the woods yet. There are signs of good news everywhere. You don't hear a lot about it, but the Navajo Nation just reported zero new coronavirus cases or deaths in the previous 24 hours for the first time this year. And that is really after a very aggressive immunization campaign, 38% of Navajo citizens have already been fully vaccinated. The Navajo Nation stretches across Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. Previously, they had the highest per capita infection rate in the entire U.S. at the height of the pandemic. And uh, there's a lot of benefits to getting vaccinated, namely, you know, protection against a dangerous virus. But if that's not enough motivation, think about the swag. Because all around the states and beyond, merchants are offering free stuff to people who receive the COVID shots from free rides to donuts, to money, to arcade tokens, to alcohol, even weed in Cleveland pubs are offering 10 cent beers to the vaccinated in Tel Aviv. They were offering a free shot to anyone who got a shot. Uh, There's a greenhouse in Michigan that's offering pre-rolled joints. If you bring proof of your vaccination, Chobani, is giving free yogurt away at many vaccination sites. And you probably heard this. Krispy Kreme is giving away a free glazed donut per day to anyone who shows their vaccine card. And what better way to say, I care about my health, than going to get a free Krispy Kreme donut every day. I I mean, those things help kill Elvis. You know, we talk a lot about the peanut butter jelly and Demerol sandwiches that killed the king, but we don't give enough credit to Krispy Kreme. They, they, Elvis liked his Krispy Kremes. That's all I'm saying. Google it. Now, also, at this point, uh, nearly one third of all teachers have been vaccinated and the rest will probably be able to be vaccinated within the month. Around 75% of students in America are now back to some form of in-person learning. Uh, so this was something that was never brought up at Joe Biden's first press conference. Did you watch? Did you see the press corps where we were all worried? Uh, uh, you know, will Biden be strong? And Biden was fine. It was the press corps that was feeble. I, I couldn't believe it. Like we, we were all waiting for Biden to show up and have no game. And here, here's my dirty secret. I don't mind having an old president. I don't mind having a president who falls down and gets back up getting on Air Force One. I don't mind having a president who thinks before he talks and speaks in a slow, measured way. A lot of people criticize Biden for not giving a press conference before this one. One of the reasons a news conference was put off so long was that, you know, Biden's time was, I think, pretty occupied with responding to the pandemic. And yet, not a single member of the press asked him any pandemic-related questions. He talked about the filibuster, He said he was ready to look at reforming the filibuster in a major way, going beyond just going back to the so-called standing filibuster, uh, really reflecting the growing understanding that most items on his list of uh, priorities, gun control, immigration, climate change, they're never going to pass in this evenly split Senate. By the way, do you love when our media talks about our evenly divided Senate? Only in America could you have a Senate where one side represents 41 million more people and the press calls that evenly divided. Uh, Obviously, I don't understand how Biden could get through an entire press conference without ever calling someone a nasty woman 
Uh, he never promoted rushing talking points. He never talked about conspiracy theories. He didn't deliberately lie. He didn't, you know, insult the press. He didn't say any racist stuff. Uh, he never called someone a terrible reporter. I don't think he praised himself once. Uh, he didn't make it a campaign event. Uh, at no point did he stomp off in a tantrum because a woman asked him a hard question. I mean, how is this presidential at this point? Biden, Biden never even at any point came out and claimed that uh, someone whose name he doesn't know was praising him and kept calling him, sir. I, I'm not used to this. Now, here's the deal. I, Caitlin Collins, fine journalist. I defended her many times with Trump. I didn't expect she to be the one to prove that CNN could, if they try hard enough, be as embarrassing as Fox. Asking Biden if he expects to run in 2024, and do you expect to have Kamala Harris as your running mate in 2024? And do you think you'll be running against Donald Trump in 2024? Look, CNN, I love you. I've worked for you. I know CNN has lost 45% of their primetime audience in the last five weeks. MSNBC's lost 26% of their primetime audience. Fox, barely any movement. They've lost 6% of their audience. A lot of Fox audience doesn't actually know there's a new president. They're just trying not to drool on the clicker. But to see the media, it's not even a gotcha question. They're just failing. They're, they're, it's a thirsty question, trying to create Biden scandals because they miss the ratings crack and cash flow that Trump represents. So seriously, Caitlin Collins, you're great. But like, I, I just I just don't understand. I mean, what part of the legacy of Trump who's fighting with you made you famous? Do you need to continue to do your job? I, I realize it's boring. Biden didn't call anybody a dog. He didn't say fake news, didn't call you nasty, didn't call you the enemy of the people. He didn't congratulate his horrible children for anything. He didn't. Uh, but Joe Biden never mentioned his Electoral College win. <laughs> uh, they did ask him about guns. Not enough. Now, this podcast is coming after the new batch of mass shootings. You remember during the war on terror years, whenever there was a mass shooting, people would wonder about the ethnicity of the shooter. Now that the shooters are so often right wing men who are having a bad day, we have to wonder about the ethnicity of the victims. Here's the deal. Uh, people who talk about the latest AR-15 massacre aren't exploiting a tragedy. They're just trying to prevent the next one. And yet, when we found out that the Colorado shooter was named Ahmad al-Aliwi Alisa, wow, did the racists have a field day. The people who never wanted to talk about the fact that the shooter in Atlanta, who slaughtered six Asian women and two others, was a white guy who claimed to be Christian. But as soon as they found out, oh, it was a Muslim guy with a Muslim-sounding name, wow. They couldn't stop repeating his name. And it's worth remembering, the people crowing that the shooter's name is Ahmad al-Aliwi Alisa, those racists are the same people who've been fighting for Ahmad al-Aliwi Alisa to have easy access to a gun. What do the two shooters have in common in Colorado and in Atlanta? They both had way too easy access to a machine designed to kill lots of people really fast. And the same patriotic Americans opposed both of them having an easy access to a gun. So they'll try to change the subject. They'll talk about how he was Muslim. With the guy in Atlanta, they'll talk about how, how uh, he had mental illness, right? When the sheriff said he was having a bad day. I heard so much about his Christianity. He was a deep Christian, 
the, the sheriff said he's a deep Christian. You know what? Actually, when your guy has just shot and murdered eight human souls, his Christianity, not that deep. It's actually the opposite of deep. You know, hardcore Christian kind of means uh, loving people, being nice. He's a fundamentalist. He's a zealot. But this is what they do, right? They have to change the narrative. That's the GOP always has to change the narrative. Like China virus or Kung flu. Every one of those trolls and bots and anonymous Twitter cowards or beta fascists who tries to get you into fighting about, is Chinese virus racist? Is Chinese virus racist? No, they're only trying to deflect the narrative away from Trump's lies and incompetence. They want us fighting over racism semantics, not Trump's actual record. And it's the same with guns. You'll notice the people who don't want to do anything about guns find a way, and the media follows, to always deflect the topic. Dylan Roof slaughters a church full of African-Americans in South Carolina. Did we talk about guns? No. There we talked about the Confederate flag. Should it come down? Should the Confederate flag still, like, literally, they made that the conversation. Nikki Haley is going to run for president off of that, bragging that she took down the Confederate flag 150 years too late. All she did was change the narrative away from how easy it is for people to get guns. Remember what happened in Las Vegas? In 2017, uh, the greatest massacre of white people in our country's history. The media called it the greatest massacre of all time. They haven't really med- read much about Wounded Knee. Um, they talked about bump stocks. Trump managed to get the entire narrative shifted away from AR-15s to bump stocks. <laughs> the Atlanta shooting, mental illness. The shooting last week. Oh, he's a Muslim. I mean, this keeps on happening. And here's what happens now after these shootings, okay? Now that it's a Democratic president, here's the formula you will see every time there's a mass shooting. Number one, the NRA sends out mailings telling you that Biden's coming for your guns. Number two, people believe this, and they go out and buy more guns. Number three, gun manufacturers make massive profits after yet another massacre. Step four, repeat. And that's the racket. Every time there's a killing, gun manufacturers make a killing. The NRA used to be a gun safety organization. Now they pretend to be a gun rights organization. They're not. The NRA does not care about the Second Amendment. I'm going to say that again. The NRA does not care about the Second Amendment. If the NRA cared so much about people having guns and arming themselves, they would be the biggest, biggest cheerleaders for 3D printable guns you can make at home. They don't because the NRA doesn't care about their members or the Second Amendment. The NRA is the lobbying wing of the gun manufacturers. They exist to get people to spend more money to buy more guns. So with a Democrat in power, that's great for them, right? That's all they need to do. I mean, 90% of Americans support common sense gun reform laws. That's more popular than Christmas. But Congress has not addressed gun violence with any meaningful legislation since 1994, when they had the 10-year ban on assault weapons introduced in the crime bill, championed, of course, by now President Biden and passed by then President Clinton. But since that massacre at the Sandy Hook Elementary School, 2012, 13 states, all controlled by Democrats, have enacted or expanded background checks for new gun purchases. In that same time, 14 states all controlled by you-know-who, have passed laws allowing their citizens to carry guns with no permit process at all. I was trying to do that right now. So they'll have the new lie. 
And the new lie you might have noticed is, um, hey, really strange. Uh, we didn't see any of these gun massacres when Trump was president. Have you seen this? It is all over social media. No massacres when Trump was president. I had so many people write this to me. Like like somehow Joe Biden is inspiring this. Weird. There were no mass shooting during President Trump's four years. And I, I guess that's true as long as you don't count the 26 Americans killed in Sutherland Springs, Texas in November of 2017, or the 17 killed at uh, Marjorie Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida uh, in February of 2018, or the 10 killed in Santa Fe, Texas in May of 2018, or in October of 18, you had the 11 killed at the synagogue, Tree of Life in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania by a Trump supporter, or November of 2018, 12 killed by guns in a mass shooting in Thousand Oaks, California. How about May 2019, when 12 were killed in Virginia Beach? How about uh, uh, August of 2019, when 22 people were killed in an El Paso Walmart in Texas, and Trump flew down, and none of the survivors were willing to have their photos taken with the man who inspired their murderer? So Trump and his wife did what, for my money, was the most ghoulish thing. Wait, wait, wait. More ghoulish than family separation? More ghoulish than lying about a plague? Yeah. When they found the baby whose parents had both been murdered by a Trump supporter who believed Trump's talks about an infestation and they posed smiling with this orphan child because none of the adult survivors would be willing to help Trump feed his ego with a photo op. Hey, don't forget, uh, August of 2019, nine killed, 27 injured, Dayton, Ohio. And of course, October 2017, Las Vegas, 60 killed, 400 injured. They put these lies out. Because as you guys know, it's a lot easier to lie than to correct a lie. It takes less time to spread a lie than to fact check one. All you got to remember is that guns don't kill people. People kill people. But NRA people who own Congress people make it really easy for deranged people to easily kill innocent people with guns. You know, the best way to be accused of wanting to ban all guns is just to support popular gun safety laws to protect American lives that don't involve banning any guns. Just do that and they'll tell you. In the meantime, nobody's coming for your guns. And an AR-15, that's not your constitutional right. That's not your God-given right. An AR-15 is your goddamned entertainment. Any politicians who tell you that Democrats are coming for your guns are the same politicians who are coming for your social security. So we're going to play this little conversation I had not too long ago with our friend Kathy Griffin. And in the end, uh, stick around for the end because I want to tell you how Joe Biden may have solved the filibuster problem with uh, the art of the deal. It's very impressive what he's done. It's borderline corrupt. It's 100% brilliant if it works. And I'm pretty sure you haven't heard the media talk about what Biden's done to try to get Joe Manchin to play ball. In the meantime, I give you our friend, Kathy Griffin. Happy New Year, Kathy Griffin. First of all, is that a blowout that you're sporting, Johnny? Oh, a blowout? No, yeah. no. This is just uh, my own embarrassing Irish hair. This is nine months without getting a cut, and my mullet has a mullet. Look at that. I no mean, flattening iron. What's no, no. My hair is so straight. Korean kids used to tease me in school. Oh, God. I'm so envious. I'm going with the natural curl. I, I'm just going to say 2020 is, first of all, I'm not supposed to say anything positive, right? Because I don't have anything positive. I, I, we accept hopeful, but it's whatever whatever's real about this year. Okay. 
Yeah, hopeful. Whatever. Uh, no, I, I think um, uh, try, trying to like embrace the madness is key. I think the, um, you know, the, the pandemic and certainly for our country in particular, I, for me, the, the highlight was the election. So that gave me hope. Um, I'm loving the new, I, I'm not crazy about the coup, John. I'm not pro coup. Oh, really? I'm enjoying it. You don't like it? I, well, first of all, uh, Sidney Powell blocked me on Twitter, oh. and when I asked my followers, who is this man and should I be worried, I found out that who Sidney Powell really is, and then I'm, you know, the sweater we've all seen from the Kardashian collection, and that is, and by the way, let's just say Kim Kardashian has done more for justice reform than the president, yes. so it's that kind of year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I, uh, I've seen a little too much Kraken for my taste. Yeah, a lot of crack. I look that up as well. Yes, Jeffrey Tubin should be so lucky to reveal so much Kraken uh, in one Seriously. lifetime. Yeah, and and you know, um, I, I I guess the thing that's sort of interesting is maybe we're learning who folks really are. They're showing their true colors. I will say this: I have never been so uh, driven to do deep dives into cults because I personally. You know, I, you and I both have many Republican friends. I'm a little left of center, but I don't like hate the centrist. Like I'm not one of those. Yeah, uh, I don't like hating and, anybody actually, yeah. No, don't hate anybody. And yet I have to say, um, I, I have what I believe is a healthy fear of the Trump cult. And I, that's the nicest thing. Like I can say maggots, I can say, but um, it does seem like their behavior is getting more and more cult-like. So I have binge watched you know, Nexium, everything about all, all the Nexium shows. Yes, all Nexium, all the time. I still love the Mike Rinder, Leah Remini show about Scientology. I still will watch anything about those side ties. Anything mm -hmm. from the you know Kirstie Alley becoming, I lovingly would say, cult member, which she's a double culture. Double I know. Culture. That's I guess that's allowed. I, I guess you you know I want to see other cults, but I want to be polyamorous with my clicks. It seems very time consuming to me, but you know, she has the time to put in. Um, and I will, let me ask you this. Are you on the parlor? Oh, I am not yet on the parlor. My, my uh, vast allotment of free time is not so vast that, you know, I, I, kind of, I kind of find that there's enough hate on Twitter. I kind of find there's enough impotent, raging incel hatred for its own sake uh, because uh, life is painful and hurt people hurt people. I get all that on Twitter. I don't need the, the crank pure 100 proof form of it. So I haven't made yeah. over to parlor, but I'm with you on cults. I mean, I began the year watching that movie about cults, uh, The Two Popes. And um, as the child of a nun, ex-nun, I, I, I think you really nailed it because uh, it is that kind of loyalty. You know, in a, in a cult, the leader asks you to die for them. And, uh, but you know, these same folks hated, I mean, loved, they loved George W. Bush 15 years ago and they deny they ever liked him. Now, do you think that people who are, uh, monogamous with Trump as a deity will still feel that way in 10 years or will they move on to a new? That's the big unknown because, you know, I've never seen anything like it. And um, I also watched the Heaven's Gate too. And here's, oh, let me just say, I'm pro Heaven's Gate. I know that's edgy. Pro Heaven's Gate. Let me tell you why. They didn't hurt anybody else. Nobody else. And I'm not saying that I want the Trump cult to like commit mass suicide. I'm not, not that dark. However, yeah. I, I'm actually like, Choose, I'm actually like rating cults, like not as bad. Certain cults, um, but I agree. 
I, I, I certainly, um, I, I think that's my new fascination, you know, because, you know, you and I have folks come against, come at us online and I'm sure other situations. And um, it is, you do get curious about what these folks are really thinking. And I've been wrapped up in the, the QAnon stuff. I'm also in the basement with Hillary Clinton, Tom Hanks, and oddly mm -hmm. Seth Green, and we're sacrificing babies and worshiping Satan. Oh, yeah. How, where'd they get Seth Green? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe he spelled the word "your" correctly and became suspect. I'm not. I'm not really sure. It, it, it's so I, I am a little uh, fascinated by the randomness of it in a way that may not be healthy. Um, but that you know, that's what I do with. Unfortunately, a lot of my like reading newspaper time. There, I never met a documentary I didn't love. So I will say this year, I would say. I loved Alex Gibney. I loved the Agents of Chaos. I loved, you yes. know, learning about all that stuff. Um, and so that's that's probably a, a good thing about 2020 is there's a lot of information out there that's actually useful and helpful. Um, and the rest of it is just, it just scares the shit out of me, John. So what you're saying is this was a good year for you to catch up on TV. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but I will say, as a privileged white lady, do you ever, when you're watching, like, whether it's the local news or online and you see, like, a Q rally or Trump, do you ever think, like, oh, God, it's only a matter of time before I see, like, you know, one of my cousins on there or, like, I, every time I see a, a bunch of white people, I swear to God, I'm like, oh, God, please don't let this be one of my, like, former Groundling students. Please don't let this be someone, like, I auditioned four or five years ago, you know. So yeah. I, I haven't yet, but I am increasingly nervous at how many people I know who know someone who's a Trump cult member or a QAnon person. And I guess they're the same as well. Yeah, I've, I've, I've already crossed that line. I have people that I know and love, who I know uh, are capable of kindness, who have gone to that land of dark, easy, quick solutions. Okay, so is it, is it worth it engaging or not? And if so, what have you decided to do? I believe you always have to, uh, you can't hate. I, I don't believe in disengaging, but I don't, I don't begrudge anybody who does, but I think we have to model for them because we know that they're probably not going to be defending this guy in 10 years. Uh, like Nixon, like Reagan, like Bush, they're so loyal. And then history kind of proves itself and they pretend they were never on that side. So I think for me, it's about, you know, always give love, always protect yourself, always come to armed with facts and empathy and patience and don't expect to win. If you don't expect to win with these people and you just worry about protecting yourself and being kind to them and letting the facts be stated, you won't convert them, but you'll convert their kids and all the bystanders. And I, I kind of feel like debate is not about changing someone else's mind. It's about showing the witnesses of the debate how crazy we're dealing with and how to not let it make you crazy. That that's as good as it got for me in 2020. Is there, is, have you found, is there a little window? Like if I was going to, if I was going to, all right, I'll just admit it. One of my cousins went on the Glenn Beck tour of Israel. Mercy. John. Mm. John. Yeah. John. You mean Israel where abortions are free? That's the little window I would use. Okay. I like that. I like that. All right. So if, if you have a relative who is a Trump cult member, is there sort of an area where you start to go, okay, we're going to have common ground on this part? Well, I got to say, I think sports are the, even if you don't like sports, sports are the reason we haven't had a second civil war in this country. Uh, well, I thought the, I thought they were boycotting the NFL. Oh, well, whoever they are, they'll boycott the end. They were talking about boycotting the NBA because the NBA shut down first this year over COVID. Right. I mean, you know, I don't think it's our job to look for common ground. I think it's our job to, to 
to give them, um, you know, I don't think we need to be in fights with them. They, if they come at you nine times out of 10, they don't want to debate. They want to fight, hurt people, hurt people. And they're in pain. They're acting out in their pain. Donald Trump has showed that giving a toddler what he wants doesn't make the toddler any happier. And I think for many people, the real drug is dopamine, right? It's the squirt. Oh, he said something I like about a wall. And that's where the seduction comes in. Mm -hmm. Flattery right? He's not asking me to be a better person. He's not appealing to the better angels of my nature. He's saying, I'm fucking awesome as I am. Yeah. That's really seductive to people. But I, I, I think we don't have to try to understand them. We don't have to try to uh, uh, love them. We, we just have to avoid hating them because I do think this chapter will pass. All right. I hope so. Oh. Look, you know, when I was growing up for me, it was David Cassidy, maybe Sean Cassidy later. But, you know, I wasn't willing to kill for him. I'm a little nervous of the people that are willing to kill. Look, I like the Backstreet Boys as much as the next guy. I'm not going to kill for them. No, I like no. India as much as the next guy. I'm not going to kill for her. And she knows this. I've discussed this with her. Well, I, I might beat the Backstreet Boys with the members of NSYNC. I fantasized about that in the past, but I'm a, I, I'm a guy. Uh, okay. Let me ask you about the COVID in general, about the plague. How is your life? I look at your life, Kathy, in the last couple of years, and you have this incredible, incredible crisis in your life. Yeah. You have incredible loss in your life. Mm-hmm. You, you have this incredible creative burst where you do this tour around the world doing, and you've heard me say this, your, your Laugh Your Head Off tour is one of the best political stand-up comedy tours that I've ever seen. I mean, I don't think Lenny Bruce couldn't do what you did on that tour. You know, Bill Hicks couldn't do, Richard Pryor couldn't do it the way you did it on that tour. It was such an important, funny tour. And I'm wondering, after all that, what's it like to sit around the house for a year? I mean, it's rough, man. Like, I, boy, I sure miss touring because, you know, since I've been, I'm still like blacklisted in television and, you know, streaming and all that stuff. And I, I did make a movie, which is on Amazon. I lost money, but I'm, I'm proud of it called Kathy Griffith Health Story. And okay. thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, but, you know, I, I, on one hand, the, the thing I've learned about all these decades in Hollywood is that no matter what, you can't stop people from buying tickets. So I hopefully will be able to go back to touring, but it may not be till 2022. I mean, it's obviously, um, you know, it's, it's a very dangerous situation. I wouldn't want to put the audience in danger. Um, and I, I am a quarantining like, like a, a ridiculousness. So nobody gets in my house. I don't go anywhere. I've been doing it since March. Haven't been on an airplane. Um, and I, I am, I will say I'm still immersed in legal woes. I um, am being sued by a couple dozen families from Covington High School based on three tweets I sent regarding jokes. Oh yeah, the the MAGA hat kid. Remember when he, he confronted oh, yeah. the Native American guy? And so um, there's a, a federal case against me where they're charging me with a cyber terrorism and cyber terroristic threats, and um, that was dismissed. But it's being appealed January 12th in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, and then there's a state case, and um, that one is myself and about eight other defendants, all journalists and one naughty comedian, and that one is still pending. So it still goes on, like kind of going back to our, our cult conversation, how, I mean, I know we all like to guess this stuff, but like how, what is your sort of guesstimation for how long it will take certain cult members, if they want to leave, to leave the cult? I, I think it would take Donald Trump wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's going to be a while. Yeah, uh, I think that's what it would take for some of them. I mean, I was doing a bit for a while about a game show called What's It Going to Take, where we kept asking one Trump supporter, what would the line be? 
yeah. uh, you know, and, and I mean, but that's the kind of loyalty, right? Like it's, that's, mm-hmm. as you said, it is a cult. And the thing for me that I got to keep coming back to is that, uh, I got to keep fighting for those people, right? Like I got to fight for them to have health care. Uh, oh, know, I'm doing, these coming be- cases are true first amendment cases. Yeah. I mean, between us and you can, I can be being paranoid or whatever. I find it hard to believe that these cases don't have a connection to Trump. I mean, I feel that my investigation after my Trump photo came directly from Jeff Sessions. Um, and there's no doubt about it. Uh, and you know, the Covington stuff, it just seems like the sort of thing that his fans would be doing to sort of please him. And, you know, uh, one of his attorneys, um, Pat Cipollone went to Covington. You know, it's kind of got all the bells and whistles, you know? So um, it's very much like patronage, like the mob. And, you know, this guy has contacts with the mob. Y'all can sue me for that uh, going back to the eighties. So, I mean, it's, it's very, very similar to our thing. Uh, I'm curious if, if any of them will be less zealous towards you once they don't have anything to gain from pleasing him. It's kind of amazing because I don't see how they think they have anything to gain now. And yet, um, the, the, I don't know who's funding them. And I think that's interesting because like I said, being, being a semi-professional uh, defendant, you know, it costs a lot of money and you got, it, it takes a lot of your time and all that stuff. But I, like you said about fighting for them, these are true first amendment cases. Yeah. And so I will absolutely fight to do whatever it takes because besides being our commodity, I do care about everyone else having the first amendment rights. And I don't mean that I think that people should be able to go to Gretchen Whitmer's house and threaten her. And I know the difference between doxing and, you know, uh, having having an opinion that's that's covered so yes we will continue to fight for them and um that's kind of what we do you know and hey there's times when republicans have done it in the past as well i think you and i share that i don't have any i think the two-party system is great i'm just not you know loving the other party right now because i don't think they're the other party anymore yeah i understand well i think it's been four parties for a long time passing for two but that's how they identify so i have to respect it um can i can i ask one last thing uh and thank you for making time for us Ms. griffin it's so lovely to see you you look great <laughs> it's nice to actually see you um you know you've you've gone through it and uh you at, because you're a professional present uh, the person who can take pain and turn it into gold. And that's what I love the most about your tour and about the film that's on Amazon now. And I really mean it. You Thanks. take that pain and you turn it into humor and you made the thousands and thousands of people laugh hard over it. Um, how is the way, how have you done it this year? What is your secret for people watching who would like to find a way to turn their pain into gold? Is it creativity or is it something that you just do in yourself? Well, I, you know, I, I think, and once again, you and I share this, I have such a passion for comedy and stand-up, and I think it's also a comedian's job to be a sponge for information of all kinds, and so I, I think that if you can find that thing you're passionate about, I know it's like a cliche, and Jerry Seinfeld says, you know, find your bliss, and then you'll become a multimillionaire and stuff. However, I do think, whether it's a hobby or your profession, if you find that thing that you're interested in, um, and by the way, I just realized I'm kind of describing a lot of cult, uh, Trump cult members who are like on Reddit all day. But what I mean is something that, you know, if you can make people laugh or somehow be, quote, of service in some way, shape, or form, I, I think that really goes a long way. So I've kind of looked at this last year in particular since, since March with the, uh, the COVID uh, stuff 
as an opportunity to try to learn and learn and learn and learn. And so I've been writing like crazy. I mean, I have jokes and I have stories. I write them on cocktail napkins. I write them on a little piece of paper anywhere. And I just put them in a shoebox. It's like so old school. I still do my act with an old timey like notebook where I write a few bullet points and then I just kind of go and improvisational nature. But I do think that everybody has that thing. And it, once again, to be sort of optimistic, I do think at least I've heard from a lot of people, people have sort of the time and maybe a, a real reason to be a little more self-reflective about stuff that they're really interested in. So if you can stay away from like the crazy QAnon stuff or the anti-vax stuff or whatever, I, I do think, um, you know, it, it is, it is kind of nice to see more. I hear more, a lot more people are reading like books, not just I've heard, I've, books. I've heard of them. Yes. Is great. Um, and so I, I think that's key. So I think keep your mind engaged is key. And also I think keep it open, which is why I love talking to you because we can be in our bubble and we can only, you know, kind of want to talk to our team and hear the stuff right. we want to hear. And that's fun. I can't get enough of it. But I think that the key to kind of surviving this stuff is like you said, it's, it's empathy, it's humor, but it's also, I, I just, and I know you share this. I just literally have an endless interest in other people. I love other people's business. I can't get enough of it. Good, bad, or indifferent. I just find people endlessly fascinating. And this year, people are behaving in a way, including myself, that they probably never have. So I'm here for it. Kathy, thank you so much. Uh, God bless your mom. Uh, Happy New Year to you and your whole family. And I can't wait to see you on stage again. It's going to be amazing. All right. Thanks, Johnny. Love you. New Year. Peace. Thank you, Kathy. Up and coming artist, watcher. Uh, so listen, uh, before we go, I want to just tell you, Joe Biden got, got you know, Merck to make the Pfizer vaccine. He got one pharma company to manufacture another pharma company's vaccine. That's called the art of the deal. And we've talked a lot about the filibuster on my XM show every night. I give Biden a lot of credit for realizing he's not going to get anything advanced with the filibuster, but Joe Manchin... Never going to budge on the filibuster. Kristen Cinema, never going to budge on the filibuster. I guess the coal and insurance lobbies want it there for a reason. So coming out and saying he wants to go back to the Jimmy Stewart filibuster, where you can't just send an email to the party and say, I object. You've actually got to get up there and talk and run out the clock for 17 hours and let us all watch you deny the American people the chance to have an up or down vote. It's great. But there's something Biden did that got next to no press attention that will infuriate and inspire you as much as it has me. Uh, Joe Biden did something interesting. He made an offer for someone to co-chair something called the Appalachian Regional Commission. You ever heard of the Appalachian Regional Commission? I don't think so. And it doesn't get talked about on the news at all. But it's a federal board that helps poor folks. It directs government efforts to improve opportunities in the Appalachian region. Okay, it uh, it's a good thing. And it's something that uh, has a budget of one hundred seventy five million dollars. So what does that have to do with Joe Manchin? Well, let me tell you, Joe Biden just announced he's going to nominate Gail Connolly Manchin to co-chair the Appalachian Regional Commission and oversee its one hundred seventy five million dollar budget. Gail Connolly Manchin is the wife of Senator Joe Manchin. Yeah. When Joe Biden said he knew how to make deals with these people, this is what he's talking about. I mean, Manchin is still the key swing vote in the divided Senate. And he is now the most powerful man in America. It used to be Mitch McConnell. Now it's Joe Manchin. Dems are leaning on this guy 
to support a lot of sweeping bills, especially to rework our nation's election system, because that could literally change the entire future of this country, to say nothing of a multi-trillion dollar infrastructure package. So Gail Manchin used to be the president of West Virginia's Board of Education, and she's had a lot of different state jobs, not saying she's not qualified. Uh, She's going to require Senate confirmation to co-chair the ARC. She's going to have to actually testify before the body in which her husband serves. And the ARC has a jurisdiction over parts of 14 different states in the region. West Virginia is the only state entirely within the board's purview. And again, they have a $175 million budget to invest in economic and quality of life developments across the region. So think about that. Yes, it's dirty. Yes, it's underhanded. He's trading a job for someone to give him what he wants. But if it works... That's corruption we can all believe in. I'm telling you, the guy's making deals. It made me furious, but only because, you know, I was really hoping I'd get that gig. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and give us a review if you have a mind to. And uh, I'm on SiriusXM five nights a week, 9 to midnight Eastern, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific. Our show has all kinds of guests from political guests. We've had everyone from Bernie Sanders to... Chris Christie to to Sheldon Whitehouse to Trent Lott. We have Hollywood guests from Jeff Bridges to Julie Andrews to Tyler Perry. We have musician guests from Brian Wilson to Noel Gallagher to Akon. We just had the RZA from Wu-Tang Clan. We just had Talib Kweli. We got real MCs. We had Rakim on our show. So please check out what we do. A lot of great comedians too every night. You can also get the SiriusXM 30-day free trial if you want to check it out. I got to thank everybody who helps us put this podcast together, namely the great Chris Lavoy at the Stephanie Miller Podcast Factory and the indomitable Jennifer Hagerty, who uh, runs this thing with an iron fist. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm John Fugelsang. You can always write me at my website, johnfugelsang.com. Hope you're well. Please stay safe. And in closing, let me just remind you that as a male, my opinion on the matter of abortion is that male opinions on abortion don't matter. Peace. Peace.